Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To find out who was the best Chris? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Okay, I got it going. Three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus. I'm Anthony. I'm Brad. And today we are going to, uh, it seems like we're still kind of like on a on a medieval kick off uh, one of our uh, few past episodes when we did uh, Green Knight and Knight's Tale. Yep. Yeah, it seems like today we're comparing um, the two King Arthur films. We're going to do King Arthur by An- directed by Antoine Fuqua and then King Arthur Legend of the Sword directed by Guy Ritchie. Um, I got to say, man. Uh, only one of these films was entertaining and kind of worth my time of uh, living on this earth. They'll find out as we go along. But yeah. um, <laughs> I remember seeing your text and I saw it and I was like, ooh, I know which one. Oh, I'm not going to text back which one. I want to be surprised a little bit, even though I know it's not going to be a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're going we're, we're gonna to be even on this one, I think. but um, We might not be perfectly even, but the grand opinion is probably going to be very close to the same. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you want to do you want to do chronological? Uh yeah. Let's let's do chronological for this one. All right. Yeah, let's do chronological. That's probably the best thing. All right. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna start off with uh, Antoine Fuqua's uh, 2004 film King Arthur. Um, I guess I'll just I guess I'll just uh, start it off here. So basically, you know, you know the tale of King Arthur. He's a knight. So. This film, it kind of doesn't show him as a typical medieval knight. Instead, it looks like he's kind of like a... He's a knight, but he's a knight that's uh, part of this gang of knights. That they're they're kind of like a... A little like a ragtag crew, but they're, they're doing what they... They're doing what they can, doing missions for the king so they can be freed, right? Freed from a contract or something? Yeah. So they kind of have a contract with the Romans to... In their castle, and mm-hmm. it's basically like almost a Robin Hood esque kind of group that's led by King Arthur, and mm-hmm. they have to appease the, I guess, Lord of the castle there, who is asking them to help them in a war. Um, that I can't remember who the bad guys in this one were, because I know the Romans were the so quote-unquote good guys yeah uh um let me look here because i just remember it being like oh they're coming from the south and that's all i remember about the bad guys aside from them themselves i can't remember who they were though right 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 i think like vikings Uh, they want to they're trying to evacuate a roman family from the north of hadrian's wall um, saving them from the Saxons. So I think the, the Saxons Sax- are yeah, the villains. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so basically the way this film starts off, it starts off with um, a young Tristan. I think I got that right. Oh, well, no, was it? Uh, it was the other guy, uh, Lancelot. Um, Lancelot, long, yeah. Yeah, young Lancelot. He um, he sees, he grows up seeing knights and, you know, he wants to be one of them. I think he gets, as a kid, he's recruited as a young boy, right? To become a knight. I think so, yeah. Yeah, you know, as we jump forward in time, we see him, and you know, he's played by Ian Jafford, I think his name is. I want to, I always mess up his name. Ian Grufford. Um, Clive Owen plays King Arthur, and uh, I think uh, Mads Milkerson was on their side too, right? Which one did he play? He was Tristan. I'll be honest, when it comes to this movie, I, none of the actors, I remember their names at all. Like, I remember the characters, but not the actors' names. Oh, okay. I, well, that's opposite for me. I don't remember the actors. Like, I, I, I noticed Joe Egerton. I noticed Ray Winstone, who low-key is the best thing about this movie. Um, I, noticed, I noticed the actors more than the characters. But anyway, so they're knights. You know, we pretty much got the story down packed. They're knights sent on a mission to uh, free their contract or, you know, well, get released from... The biggest thing is their contract is already done but now they're being recontracted to do this uh, next job, even though none of them want anything to do with it. There you go. There you go. So they consider Look. themselves free men already that are now being forced back into this war for the Romans. Yeah, and later on in the film, we run into uh, Guinevere, who's played by Kira Knightley, who, you know, as you know, becomes King Arthur's wife and legend. Um, and, you know, she teams up with them, too, to, uh, uh, for the final battle. Look, man, uh, this movie's boring. This is really boring. Um, this is a typical 2004 film where, you know, with Knight's Tale, it was generic in some ways, but it was entertaining. You know, I yes. cared about the characters. This was just, this was just kind of a disappointment, man. Like, and Antoine Fuqua, I want to go on a Fuqua rant in a minute, but um, the direction is not bad. It's just that the story's boring. Yeah, like, there were, were some nice shots. They did great when it comes to like grabbing the idea of like medieval times. Like a lot of the sets look amazing. Like when they go down to that, yeah, yeah, it, like, it's, it's all, all there. I love it. Yeah, the story is just lacking in everything, and then it's just so <laughs> dialogue heavy. Dude, it's not even a dialogue. I feel like the actors did what was asked of them. They'd be like, all right, you know, you know, most of us are British. We know what we're doing here. We're mm -hmm. uh, we're playing knights. They did what was asked on paper, and that's it. You yeah. know, and it's like, like I said, direct direction is fine, acting is fine. It's just the writing. Yeah, the writing is not good. Well, that's what I mean with like it being so dialogue heavy. Is I'm not yeah. saying that the actors did a bad job with the dialogue. They did right, right, great right. with what they were given. But there's just so much talking and talking and talking and then none of it leads anywhere most of the time like very few lines actually need to be in that entire movie to understand what's going on oh man um i don't know about you but i watched what was the director's cut and when, when it when i when i when i watched it it started off like oh king arthur's director's cut oh i said okay by the end of the movie i was like man this is the director's cut was the theatrical cut worse than this yeah well like, like, the version i saw was two hours and like 20 minutes wow okay version i saw was <laughs> uh 
two hours. You mean two hours and six minutes? Oh, it might have been like two hours and six minutes. Okay, you saw the theatrical. I saw the director's cut. So I was. I, I, How long I was, was the director's I, cut? One hundred and forty-two minutes. Oh, okay, so, so I, was, I was played with way more, in my opinion, unnecessary scenes. Or no, that one forty, that comes out to yeah. two hours, two hours and minutes. twenty-two minutes. Yeah, so that I probably so saw the director's the cut movie? as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I thought mine was like um, two twenty-six or something, but you know, yeah. I tell you, man, when I'm watching a night movie and I'm checking the runtime every thirty minutes, that's a bad sign. Oh yeah. It, it I think the I only want... time I wasn't kind of like going, okay, this is uh when how much longer was the battle on the ice, which actually uh, had my attention. I, I wasn't intrigued by any of the battles, man. They all blended together to me badly. Like I was like Oh, the last battle was just a snore fest. I, the entire last yes. battle I was just like just just Finish it already. I know. How much time is left? 30 minutes? We're in the final battle and there's still 30 minutes? Yeah, man. Um, I, I could not stay focused on this movie because I, I, I wanted to... You know you know me. I like to give films a chance even when they're like looked at as bad. Believe it or not, when we did Dragon Ball Z versus that airbender film that doesn't exist, I actually paid attention. I said, okay, let me see... If I if I was in a debate class and I had to argue for the cinematic value of these movies, what can I say in their favor? I try to approach every movie like that, even if they're good. And yeah, this one just didn't do it for me, man. I really tried to like it. And okay, let's 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 discuss Antoine Fuqua for a minute. It feels like every film he comes out with, and I think this is a little unfair on on, on his on his part, is always from the director of Training Day. Like oh yeah, every film of his, and I'm like, well, I mean, this guy has more than Training Day under his belt. He has Bait with Jamie Foxx that was good, Shooter with Mark Wahlberg that was solid, uh, Brooklyn's Finest, good movie, Olympus Has Fallen. I never saw it, but people like it. You know, it's like every movie, like <laughs> even when, even I think with the Equalizer too, from the director of Training Day. Shouldn't it say from the director of the Equalizer? Like, like I feel like no, 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 no. You, you, you put in training day and then you surprise him with the director of the first movie that you're about to see the sequel for they do that all the time though when a sequel comes out they say from the director of the first one and then they put the title's name yeah i always love the ones for pixar where they pretty much go from the directors of toy story oh yeah that movie from the 90s and finding nemo yeah good early 2000s movie you you realize we're in like 2020 right (laughs) They've come out with so much since then. Why do you keep always referring to those two movies? But I'm saying, though, Training Day was 2001. I'm like, this man has made many films before then, but they mm-hmm. just keep going back to Training Day. And they don't even mention an equalizer on his films post that. And I just, I feel like this film right here, it, it's a more forgettable Fuqua film, for real. Like, honestly. But, yeah, I... This didn't grab me, man. The only the only redeeming thing I can say about this movie is Ray Winstone's character. He was like, I think Ray Winstone was memorable, memorable to me. He was a uh, Boris, so he was the guy who had the wife that was singing in the that was like drunkenly singing in the middle of the road in the beginning. You know, she was oh, singing that yeah, song. Okay. And you know, he he's kind of a roughneck. Yeah, like he that's him. Okay. Yeah, I remember him. 
Yeah, you know, he was the only thing. He he was to this film what Paul Bettany was to A Knight's Tale. You know, he was just yeah. memorable. He was the surprising character that you kind of grew to like throughout the movie. Right. But, I um Yeah, man, then towards the end during the final battle, you got Kira Knightley with, you know, that that face paint looking like she's coming out of Avatar and it's like, what 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 are we doing here? Like what are we doing? Yeah, it's the worst part of this movie is it's not even a bad movie. It's just so boring and passable as a movie. For me, I can't even think of something to be like for like jujitsu. I can probably go into, you know, a 30 minute rant about how that movie was bad. Uh, I could go into a two hour rant for Airbender and Dragon Ball Evolution on why those movies were bad. Odd. you know it, but this one look—it's just boring. <laughs> over exposition, bland dialogue, bland fight scenes. Need I go on? And that's—I I, that's it. it's, it's a bland movie. <laughs> okay, that means bad. <laughs> bland is bad. <laughs> Give me a bland movie that's good. Um. I mean, I'm not arguing that you're wrong here. It's just it's one of those movies that's hard to be like, let me just rip into this movie because there's nothing to rip well, into. Not all bad movies deserve to be ripped into. Sometimes they're just straight up bad. It's like I saw it. My life hasn't changed after seeing it, but it's not for the worst either. Like, I know I made the joke like I wasted two hours of my life watching this, but that's just me being over the top. Like, it's just one of those bland movies that are bad. That's like. Eh, it was what it was. I'm not mad at it, but I'm not ever going to watch it again. Right, I gotcha. So, yeah, I gotta say, this one's a one out of five for me. Yeah, 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 one. One is, you know, I think I was going to say 1.5, because I'll say 1.5 because of Ray Winstone. I'll say it because of him. I can't just give it a straight one. No, well, You know what? You know what? I give it a light. I think 1. he's the 5. reason it gets a one instead of a zero. <laughs> I get us a light, light two, strong one point five because the cinematography was pretty nice. Like it kind of kept me somewhat engaged, like the way everything looked. See, it, it can look as pretty as possible, but if there's nothing else there, there's really because everything else just flopped on it phenomenally outside of the work done in like backgrounds and stuff like the costuming department and everything for that movie did phenomenal. Uh, the people that made all the sets and everything, absolutely amazing job. And the problem is there's just nothing to fill those sets. I mean, eh, I'm still a light too. light too. Okay. I, I'm not changing my one. I, I think this is a one out of five for me. All right. All right. Time to move on. Um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. All right. So this time around 2017, we got Guy Ritchie taking a mantle and we have Charlie Hunnam as King Arthur. Um, so this film uh, basically looks at just how the legend of King Arthur starts. So it begins as... um. The, the the film doesn't even begin with like King Arthur at the start. He's just a baby. He's just a little boy, really. 
Um, it begins with uh, King Arthur's father, uh, Uther, who um, in the middle of a war, um, he takes down this kind of like evil force. Um, and his brother, played by Jude Law, Vortigern, you know, is at his side. And, you know, there's a little bit of like dissension in the rakes. Uh, long story short, uh, Vortigern um, betrays... Uh, what is his name? I'm just going to name actors' names. Jude Law betrays uh, Eric Banner, and uh, Eric Banner and his wife they manage to get King Arthur. They manage to get little Arthur to escape before um, becoming before being killed or, or being scathed. And you know, you kind of got like this little Moses scene, but where he floats down the river. But um, before we even get to any of that, man, maybe this was a maybe this was a case of watching a good movie after a bad movie, but. As soon as the film started and you, you had like that little tower and then that fire rises up and then you cut the black and then you, you yeah. start the movie, I said, oh, man, this is about to be good. Like, oh, please immediately, save me. that first battle where you're like, you see the elephant and you're just like, okay, giant elephant. And then you see right. it's like carrying this giant troop of warriors. It has like this giant like boulder attached to the end of its trunk and stuff and you're just like okay i'm already intrigued you have me so fascinated already listen man anything would have worked after what i just saw with king arthur man i said please yeah. save me from this bad movie i just watched this bland movie i just watched um but yeah you know basically you see arthur being uh you know flown down a river and uh he gets rescued by um a group of um you know uh prostitutes well prostitutes in those days they raise him up you know he's a little bit of a roughneck. He uh he kind of gets beat up, but he always gets back up. You know he learns how to fight from an old friend of his. Well, an older guy that's kind of like a mentor to him. He gains some friends and some other roughnecks, and it's just like a pretty great montage of King Arthur growing up. You know, um, seeing the uh, prostitute women that that are like mothers to him getting beat down by their uh their johns or their clients or whatever, and then him growing up stopping all that. Like you, as you see him come up, you see Jude Law's character come up as a king. You know, having everybody yeah. fear and respect him, and oh, so we gotta rewind all of that. So, Jude Law's character, how he got, how he get, how he became on top in the first place is that he made a sacrifice. He uh, killed his wife and put her body in this like river that's like at the underground of the castle. And oh yeah, this, with like, the like uh, octopus mermaid kind of people. Yeah, yeah. The octopus mermaid, and I guess this kind of like made like a, what do you call it, like a spell that put him on top? Uh, yeah, it gave him the power to turn into, I, I can't remember what he was, but he was like a a uh, dark knight kind of person with that two-psi kind yeah. of weapon. Mm-hmm. I don't think it had a name for what he was, but he used that kind of... He made the sacrifice to get that power so he can then go after his brother and uh, eventually killed him. But then, of course, uh, Arthur escapes and does his little Moses scene down the river uh, as his father dies. Yeah. Um, Dude, I love that scene um, where, you know, you have uh, Eric Banner holding his son and his son is just like, you know, his face, his eyes are over his dad's shoulder, and he's looking at his mom. And then all you see is his mom standing there and then falling, you know, supposedly to her death. And then the title card comes up, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I'm like, oh, yeah. man, that is a great opening. Like, this movie, 
from that point, it just it just kept, you know, just checking off boxes to me as to what makes a good entertaining night film. It, it just kept checking boxes. And it's made in such a Guy Ritchie way, too. Like when you have the montage of King Arthur growing up, you know, he gets down, he gets back up. It's just shot in such a Guy Ritchie, you know, boom, bap, boom, bap kind of way. Yeah, it was basically a just a montage of him, like, growing up and fending for himself, basically. Yeah. This film has a lot of energy to its montages. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to let you take the reins here, man, uh, as, as uh, how you felt about it. Oh, yeah. For this one, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I know that this one, I actually looked it up after I finished watching it to see, like, what other people thought. And this one got tanked in reviews on, like, Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. So I was very surprised by that. So I almost have that feeling, like, as you mentioned, watching something so bad and then this made this seem like such a great movie. And right. everybody else seemed to think that this was a bad movie. I remember going, this is this is good. I'm enjoying this. Like those montage yeah. scenes, we get a couple of them that kind of show him growing up. And then there's a couple throughout the rest of the movie as well, showing him kind of getting the band of together of who he wants and uh, going through his like trials to uh, – I can't remember. He had to bring the sword to somewhere – and they did that in like a montage kind of sequence in the middle. I didn't exactly understand why he needed to do that, but I remember they were like, about, he has to do this alone. Are you talking about when he was talking with um my man, Jamon Hinuzal? Forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong, but my man from Blood Diamond. Are you talking about the scene where he's talking with him and he's like, uh, so this is how it's going to go. We're going to go in the woods, come across these, you know, holier than thou knights. I'm going to say... Let's just fight him, and then you're going to ask me this, and I'm going to tell you that. Tell me about that scene. No, I'm talking about before that, when uh, after they like rescued him from his execution, and they brought him into that hut, and after he got the sword, uh, the maid, she mentions, oh, he has to go on this journey alone, and that's where he like goes oh, against the giant yeah. snake, and the wolves follow him and stuff, and I didn't exactly understand why he had to do that. But I did love that um, entire montage of watching him have to go through these trials kind of thing. Your audio keeps, like, flowing in and out. But um, it's a night test. I would just say it's a night test. Test to be a night. You can just write that off as that. Like, oh, it's a test. You know, like, um, trying to see if he's really worthy of the sword. Uh, you know, I I don't really... Stuff like that, I can kind of forgive this movie of because you can kind of make, you can kind of keep making an excuse. Oh, it's a test. You know, it's a test. You know, um, yeah, I didn't really like linger too much on that, but I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I love the dynamic. Oh, see, between. it didn't bother me that I didn't understand it. It was more, I like the sequence. I just have no idea what was going on, kind of thing. Right. I love the dynamic between Arthur and uh, his ragtag group. Like, um, I um, I think Charlie Hunnam was great for this role. He was the perfect charismatic lead to play to play Arthur. And I love mm -hmm. the the crew that he has. Like, um, one of them, I, I love him in a movie he's in called Kill List. Um, it's by another uh, British director. Or oh, is he British? I think he's British. But um, he might be something. I'm talking about Ben Wheatley. 
but I don't know if he's British or not. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I love the relationship with them. I love King Arthur's relationship with uh, um, Jamon's character and Aiden Gillian, who plays a uh, goose fat Bill. He was a skilled oh, archer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that scene where uh, they were going to do the assassination on the king and mm-hmm. they had like the, I guess, impersonator there because they knew that something was up and mm-hmm. he shoots the arrow and uh, I remember them going like, oh, you miss. He's like, nope, I didn't miss. I just had right. a different target. <laughs> yeah, I love um, I love uh, Jude Law's snarkiness as the villain. Like, I feel like he's perfect for this role. Like, there's, there's scenes where he just sits in utter, like, like uh, I'm so evil. I'm so tired of this place. I just want to be on top and not have to deal with this little kid. Talking about Charlie Hunnam's character. Like, yeah. I just feel like he has the perfect look of snarkiness. He does. He made a good villain for this movie. Because every yeah. time he had a scene, you're just like, mm, I can't wait to see him die. I can't wait. It's going to be glorious. And he kept upping the ante, um, too, to where you wanted to see him die as well. Yeah. Yeah, he was a very, uh, yeah. And I say that one scene between um, one of King Arthur's friends, who I've seen in another film that's pretty good, and um, his son, where he, he tells the son, like, uh, oh, you, you care if I kill this man? I don't know him. I'm just a, uh, what do you say, I'm just a runner or something. Or I'm just yeah. Like, like, I don't know who he is, you know. <laughs> right, and then uh, Jude Law puts the knife to his throat. He's like, "No, don't do it!" And then Jude Law does it. And like, yeah, he was, yeah, he he was a character I didn't like either. Yeah. Uh oh, uh, the line was, "I'm gonna cut off his ear," and he, the kid responds, well, "Why do I care? It's not my ear." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a smart kid because that was his son, right? Yeah, that was his son. That's why his son went back to go get his father. Because he was like, I'm not leaving without my father. And that's how he ended up getting captured himself. Yeah, I, um... The whole movie flows well. The final battle is pretty great. I love how Jude Law kind of turns into, like, this very demonic, like, monster force. Um, Mm -hmm. That was a pretty cool scene. Yeah, man, this whole thing flowed well. Like, I I don't understand the negative reviews either. I feel like this movie makes me want to watch Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. I kind of, like, stayed away from that movie because I'm like, dude, I saw Aladdin as a kid. I don't need to watch it again. But this movie makes me want to see what his take on Aladdin was. Uh, You're talking about the new, like, Disney one, right? Yeah, yeah, the one with Will Smith. Yeah. You know that was Um, made by Guy Ritchie. I didn't think it was too bad. Okay, so you you agree with so that like I remember seeing too. that one in theaters. Yeah, I didn't see a problem with it. I think the only thing that people had a problem with was it was another live action kind of Disney movie, and it fell into the same thing with most of the live action Disney movies, where it's trying to do the same thing, but just slightly different. And right. the things that they change aren't the things that you know need to be changed. They kind of take away a lot of the magic of it. Uh, Lion King did that when it was trying to be too realistic, and they got rid of like a lot of the songs. Mulan made that mistake by literally changing up the characters to be just super serious and everything. Yeah, yeah, Mulan was too serious, man. I was like, I expect some kind of singing. I mean, yeah. like, like, 
I thought they was gonna lead into um I'll make a man out of you in one scene, but it just landed, it just ended up going to like a, a little military scene. I'm like, oh, that was a failed opportunity. Yeah, uh, th- there's kind of the same thing with Aladdin in a couple of points where it's like, yeah, they play the story beats and they kind of really dumb down uh, Aladdin in it. I think that's probably one of my biggest complaints is they just make Aladdin seem really stupid and socially awkward when in the animated version it was completely the opposite. He was very much a smooth talker, kind of, you know, very street smart person. Socially awkward doesn't always work man i know people i know hollywood thinks that makes people relatable it just makes them annoying some people can play socially awkward well tom holland can do it well as peter parker but that doesn't work for most characters man yeah it a lot like you said it tries to make it more relatable but yeah in movies it you don't want to relate to the people you want to see people be amazing and awesome you know i'm not going to go see iron man because i want iron man to be like me i want to see iron man because i want to see a dude make a suit that i'll never be able to make and go fight terrorists you know well you bring up an interesting point i don't want to get too off topic but i was watching a video on youtube it's a series i watch called middle ground where where two people of two separate sides or ideologies sit together sit down together discuss the discuss a prompt that's given to them and try to find a middle ground. It was Marvel versus DC fans. And the prompt was, um, my franchise has more relatable characters. And the Marvel the Marvel people uh, were in agreement. It's like, oh, our franchise has more relatable characters. The DC fans agreed too. They were like, listen, man, you look at Superman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, they're not really relatable. Like, they're, 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 they're gods. You look at mm. Spider-Man and Iron Man, they're relatable, you know, like Peter Parker and Tony Stark are relatable, you know, so I, I would say, you know, yeah, you are watching Iron Man to see him get in the suit and, you know, and, you know, fight, but, you know, you are relatable, you, you do feel, you feel connected to Tony Stark's character at the same time, too, that's what oh, I'm yeah. saying, but, yeah, uh, but, yeah, man, I love going back to King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, I love the ending, and this this speaks to the uh, rapport all these characters have with each other, where they see the round table for the first time. He said, yes. "What is it?" So, "Oh, you dance on it." Like, you said, "What?" <laughs> What'd you say? Then being able to like finally see them do the round table and be like, "This is officially the Knights of the Round Table." That that right. was a great moment. Uh, seeing them get together, and then they have the one of the kings that made like a peace treaty with jude law coming in and going you gotta honor our old deal and i love that they basically go no we don't we're gonna create a new deal whether you like it or not we don't acknowledge the old uh kingdom's laws that kind of tied things up a little too nicely but i i get it for hollywood's sake how the guy just goes from no you gotta honor this deal to oh i'd be honored to uh to uh to to make a deal with you i'm like what happened from two minutes from you saying we got to honor this deal to, oh, I would be honored, Sir Arthur. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it's like, okay. And then I bowing before like, him. <laughs> right. Like, how do you go from disgust to bowing? Like, with Jew Law, it makes sense. He's a, he's a, demon, he's a demonic, um, uh, intimidating force. Arthur is just Arthur. You know, but whatever. The script yeah, says as far I have as they're to do concerned, this, now, this is so a street to... rat that became king. Yeah. You know? That, that's right. all they know about Arthur. <laughs> the script says I have to bow now, so I have to bow. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. But um, yeah, I really like this, man. This is a very good movie. I think even without seeing Antoine Fuqua's film, I still would have liked this movie. Uh, I give it give it a solid three, uh, three five, solid three five, 3.5. Yeah. I got to say solid three, five as well, but there's one scene that I definitely want to talk about that we didn't get to. And that is the kind of flashback scenes that he would get every time he touched the sword, uh, about the fight with his father uh, between him and Jude Law. They can't repeat Uh, too much. See, it did get a little tedious, but after we got the full kind of flashback scene, I absolutely mm-hmm. love that. Where uh, he's there, he grabs the sword back from his son, he deals the final blow that he can, throws the sword in the air and just kneels and becomes the stone that the sword gets sealed in. It's like, oh, that is such a perfect... I've never... I can't think of any other uh, tale of like King Arthur that did it like that where his father ended up being the stone that sealed the sword. Yeah, no, I, I like the complete flashback when it shows everything that happened. It's just, I didn't need to revisit that thing 10 times throughout the whole movie. Like, I feel like yeah, we could have just, yeah. I, I Listen, I didn't write the movie, so of course I can't say what I would do better, but um, I hear what you're saying. I do like the final flashback, yeah. Yeah, when we finally got the flashback, it kind of it made all the little bits that we were getting throughout the movie up to that point kind of worth it. Uh, I, yeah, I definitely it's... think they could have cut down a couple of them or made it like two or three times instead of it being like seven or eight times that it happens before we actually see the full flashback. I looked at that the same way I looked at Superman's chapter in the Snyder Cut where he's walking through the alien ship and he's hearing Russell Crowe's father in one hand and one ear and Kevin Costner in the other. I'm like, okay, this explains man of steel. It doesn't excuse it, but mm-hmm. it's, but it explains it, you know? And I kind of just let it go. Are you, are you right. clicking or typing or something? I am not. Right. I'm not either, but I keep hearing it, but, um, all right. Yeah. You know, I, uh, it's cool. Um, I, uh, I like the final flashback sequence. It's just by the time it got there, I was like, they're showing this again. And then they showed the whole thing and I was like, okay, all right, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as, uh, they showed the whole thing, I was just like, that is absolutely brilliant. I love everything about this. This is a good movie. Um, yeah. Going back to the scoring though, I got to agree. This is a three, five, possibly even a four to me. Because there's just so much I love about this one. And it's so weird that, like, everybody else, you know, when it comes to, like, critics and even, like, audience reviews and stuff, they did not enjoy this movie. And it makes it kind of go, what did I see that they didn't or what did they see that I didn't kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to give it a four. I say 3.5. But uh, it was a good movie. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Rotten Tomatoes anymore, man. I don't really trust them anymore because I feel I, it's an aggregate. Of course, it's an aggregate culmination of different critics that go there and say, "I like this movie. I didn't like this movie." But you know, I feel like I'm at that point where I don't really watch a trailer unless I'm unless I don't know much about the film outside of director and actor. Or I'm in the theaters and I'm forced to watch a trailer. I just I see a movie if I'm interested in seeing it, you know. Like, 
If I never saw the trailer for Last Night in Soho, I'd still see it because Edgar Wright made it, and I know he doesn't really right. miss. You know what I mean? Like, I would still see the Sopranos prequel even if I didn't see the trailer this past um, yesterday when I went to the movies because it's the Sopranos prequel. I'm a Sopranos fan. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I don't really trust Rotten Tomatoes anymore. This was a good movie. See, it it's usually pretty close to like you can not, can get an idea of like if something's critically acclaimed but like audience panned, then it's probably going to be a very slow paced movie with a lot of like really good shots and things uh, throughout it that kind of bring it up that most audiences don't really care about. And when you see something that's like critically panned but audiences love it, uh, it means it's a comedy movie, and. That's pretty know, much man. how it works. I don't know, man. They like Minari. We know how that went. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm not saying that all critics are right. I'm just saying that most of the time on Tomatoes, because they basically, their scoring system is, if you give it a C or above, it's kind of like saying, would you recommend this movie? Yes? Well, 80% of people recommend seeing this movie. 30% of people recommend seeing this movie. So that's the way that you got to kind of look at it. And it means that only 30% of people, you know, would go, hey, you need to see this movie. That's not a good percentage. But, uh, okay, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. Yeah. Um, I think that's what it was for this one. I can't remember the exact th- Rotten Tomato score. It was 37%. Um, okay, yeah. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, man, so... yeah. It goes without saying. Head to head, Legend of the Sword wins. Yeah, there's no contest on that one at all. Not at all. Um, hey man, you seen any new movies lately? Anything? Any anything at all re- recently? Um, not that I can think of. Uh, I don't know. Did you see Free Guy yet? Because I did get to see that in a screening a couple weeks back, and I was waiting to see if you would uh, see that I one or not. I don't plan on it. Okay. Yeah, How that one, it? it has a good beginning, but it the whole back half of the movie is just very tedious and tropey, where it kind of like mm. stops being like this original piece and goes into like every tropey action, we gotta save the world kind of movie. Hmm. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds' charm can only take me so far. I do like Ryan Reynolds, but I didn't want to see Free Guy. I just didn't want to see it. I, you know, I wrote a script like Free Guy once, but it was more, more serious and kind of like on the ex machina kind of scale. Um, but I, I saw the trailer and I was like, I kind of feel like you just showed me the whole film right here. You know what I mean? That's why I try to avoid trailers. Like I feel like yeah. they kind of showed me the whole movie. Um, yeah, very rarely are the marketing team and the trailer team on the same page. And I, um, I like, I also like Jodie Comer, but again, she couldn't really bring me to see that movie. Uh, I'll catch it on the flippity flip, man, if ever. Um, I've heard, I would wait I, until this, streaming. I would say that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Streaming okay. is the flippity flip. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. Um, when I don't have to get out and get in my car to go see it. So I gotcha. another film I saw that was kind of a a C, you know, if you want to read my if you want to read our reviews on Free Guy and Don't Breathe Too, go to 8bitwaffles.com. 
Uh, I saw Don't Breathe too. Yeah, I remember you said that uh, that one. If you ignore that the first movie happened, it's decent. Uh, but yeah. if you think of the first movie, none of it's going to make sense. Yeah, if you that's pretty much well. No, it makes it. it if you if you keep the first movie in mind, it's a very incoherent sequel. Let's put it that way. Because have you seen the first Don't Breathe? Yeah. Okay, so so you know the guy is, you know he's a he's a murderer and a, a rapist, right? You know that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that that's the so, entire premise is you know they're locked in this house with this blind guy that has no problem doing you know terrible things. Right. So now they're trying to go to. And don't breathe too. They try to go to Terminator Two Judgment Day route and say he's the good guy now because he's saving this little girl. See, who's taken by even worse people. I'm like, that's not how that works. Like, you can't just have this guy do a 360 because you insert an emotional because you, you insert a character that's good for um for an emotional narrative. Like the film. Listen, the, the action is top. The action is good. The tension in the film is good. It doesn't rely on silence so much as the first one. It's really like really fast. It's really like action packed and fast paced. If you look at it from that, if you look at it as, as its own movie, ignoring the first film, it's not bad. But if you take in the first film and what this character is, I'm not going to ruin it for you. They don't they don't completely let him off the hook for what he is, but it's just not enough. It's like trying to turn Freddy Krueger into a good guy. It's just that just would not work. The thing about the Terminator is the Terminator was a robot. You can program him to be good. You can program him to be bad. That was the whole thing that sold that movie. This film is like, this guy isn't a robot. He's a murderer. You know, like, but, you know, it's just my humble opinion. Um, The film does have its good moments in terms of action, like I said. But story and character just... Ah man. Um, but I also did see. I recently saw the Night House with Rebecca Hall and Reminiscence with Hugh Jackman. Night House. How um, was Reminiscence? I have that one on my to watch list. Reminiscence was good. It was good. Um, it was written and directed by Lisa Joy, who co-created Westworld, the show. Um. Reminiscence has good ideas behind it, and it, it's 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 basically if you, if you can picture it, it's it's kind of a minor it's kind of a Minority Report meets Chinatown. Have you seen Chinatown? With Jack yeah, Nicholson I've seen Chinatown from the seventies. Yep. Okay, yeah. So it's kind of like a detective story meets a story about you know it's kind of a dystopian future and it deals with memory and remembering things. I just feel like the the film swings for the trees, but it doesn't always land. It's a good movie. It's good for what it is. And, you know, he, Hugh Jackman is great in the lead role. Um, I feel like there was a stronger film. It's, it's a stronger movie when it leans more on memory and time and, and, you know, love and stuff like that. When it goes into the when it goes into the detective realm of things and conspiracies and all that, I'm like, all right. I've already seen Chinatown once. I don't need to see Chinatown a second time. Um, it's a good movie, man. I give it a solid three. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna write a review on that too. But uh, the Night House, so kind of a solid, solid ghost story slash um, story about grief and trauma. 
again, that movie kind of has the same issue of like it, it becomes a more interesting movie when it goes past the usual genre fare and kind of goes towards like actual emotion. But Rebecca Hall is great in that movie. But uh, yeah, that's what I saw, man. Okay. Is Nighthouse one that's on streaming or is that a theatrical release? Theaters. Okay. I don't remember hearing anything about that one. It's a low key one. Uh, it's a low. I wouldn't say independent because it seems like it's a little geared towards mainstream, but it's in the. It's it's a low key one. Okay, I'm gonna have yeah, to look that not, one up because that this is the first I'm hearing of that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nighthouse was pretty good. Um, I was gonna see the Protege this weekend, but I thought better of it. I don't see, know. I kind of want to see that one. The premise seems interesting to me, but I just can't. Uh, find like the time to take to go to a movie theater to see that one yet that's the problem the time we initially my wife and i were going to go see it yesterday but time got the better of us um i went solo to go see reminiscence instead but uh we were going to see it today but then decided not to i don't know man it just i I, it's good to see michael keaton regularly on screen again because i Mm -hmm. like michael keaton you know maggie q is cool sam jackson of course is awesome but it just felt like another film in a long line of John Wick ripoffs. Like yeah. nobody, gunpowder, and then this film. I'm like, dude, I enough. Bring Keanu back. I, I want the I want the real McCall <laughs> I want the real McCoy back. Enough. Yeah, I gotta say, like it, nobody I think did it a good job of doing like a John Wick style movie. Uh if Protege can be as good as nobody, I, I I'll enjoy it. Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake is on the completely opposite side of that spectrum, but uh, we've gone over that one. I mean, even then, nobody was just okay to me. Like, it was just, I was like, all right. You know, like, I didn't didn't really think much of it when I saw it. I was like, okay, Bob Odenkirk in a a tough guy role, and that's it. I mean, that was in the good one-time watch club. I wouldn't watch that movie again. Okay. You know, um, I, I could see that it kind of falls into that same like thing with uh, the accountant with uh, Ben Affleck, where it was like, okay, th- this is an okay movie. I enjoyed it. I don't need to see it again, though. I've heard good things about that movie, actually. Yeah, that one's uh, pretty decent, uh, but it's just a one and done kind of movie. You know, I don't need to see it again. Uh, and I could see the same feeling for nobody. I've yet to go, oh man, I can't wait to see this movie again since I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, what I'm... I'm just saying... It, it, that seems like I might have to catch that film on Flippity Flip. I'm, I'm not too engaged of seeing the uh, the protege. But then again, by the time it gets on a Flippity Flippity Flip, I may not be concerned about it anymore. Yeah, that's true. You'll have 15 other uh, John Wick clones on there already. Yeah, it's just the way I look at it. And that one actually has gotten some solid reviews. I just, I don't know. I'm iffy about that one, man. But I know next week it is on Candyman Remake, Jordan Peele co-writing and producing, Nia DaCosta directing. Now that I can't wait for because I like the original Candyman. I've never even seen the original Candyman. Why did you agree to watch it? You know it's horror, right? Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, 
I thought you told me at one point you're not a horror guy. I'm not big into horror movies, but I can still watch them. I just don't get as much enjoyment out of them as most people do. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Do you no, what kind of horror do you like? Do you like the horror that has a good story to it? Do you like the horror that's short and sweet or if it has a good story to it or at the very least fun characters like i could get behind uh what was the like happy death day i can get behind that i can get behind Uh, what what was the one that we did that was kind of like the freaky Freaky? friday freaky that's it yeah i can get behind that uh movies like saw i really can't get behind uh where it's just pointless gore kind of stuff uh, like the Suicide Squad had a lot of gore in it, and I loved that, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was very campy gore. It's completely different than you know something like Saw. Gotcha, gotcha. I can't take Saw seriously um, because it's just all cartoonishly gore to me. But um, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But I do like Saw. It's a guilty pleasure. But yeah, I'm looking forward to Candyman. Um, Dude, I, I want to talk to you about Dune. Do you think I, I I want us to? Because I believe in Dennis Villeneuve, if that's how you say his name. But I don't think we're going to get a sequel, man. With the pandemic and everything, I don't think that movie's going to make his money back. Oh, no. Uh, so far, I don't think anything's done well. Like Every single time they release numbers for a movie that released during the pandemic, they're always like, oh, these are really good numbers for the pandemic. Didn't and- Black Widow do well? Uh, Black Widow, I think it barely hit like two hundred million in the box office. I want to say how much um, did it cost to make? A, a lot more than that. <laughs> really? Didn't uh, look like it, but okay. Well, keep in mind this is now Marvel budget, where every actor is paid <laughs> you know more than a small movie's budget alone. <laughs> No, no, no! You're wrong. The budget was 200 million. It made 369 million. Oh, okay. So it did at least make budget, but and that's not counting everything from Disney Plus as well. Well, I don't know. It just said box office, but um, I, Disney Plus be- they don't release the numbers for it, so they can only go off actual box office. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, man, I would like to see a whole dune series i I feel like and i know why he wants to bring it to theaters it's really a theatrical experience but i feel like he would have more freedom to create a series i mean he would have more freedom to adapt the whole series of books if he brought it to series like you see how much money is thrown at game of thrones and now the wheel of time is being adapted there's going to be a game of thrones spinoff they're throwing money at this stuff see i think there is a chance because HBO Max is giving things a chance. Like, they just, uh, I think, confirmed that they're going to do a Birds of Prey 2, which is going to be an HBO Max exclusive movie. It's not going to come to theaters. Oh, ooh. And you can bring out the theaters, but go ahead. Yeah, but uh, Dune, they could end up doing the same thing because it is going to be one of the HBO Max kind of uh, side by side releases. Yeah. Yeah. So if it does really well on HBO Max, but it doesn't do too well in theaters, they could end up going with a series on HBO Max, which would still give it good money to you know play with, because HBO definitely has money. As much as I hate them for canceling all the good shows that I watch, you know they do have good money. I don't know, man. Um, we're not all that saddened about Venture Brothers being being cut. 
But uh, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just teasing. But yeah, that's I all I think the- about all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's the case, man. Because I would like to see. Listen, Dennis is a very. I don't know how to say his last name, so I call him Dennis. Dennis V is a very good director, man. When you see films like Prisoners, Sicario, Blade Runner 2049, you can tell this guy belongs, like, um, even though Prisoners and Sicario are thrillers, he belongs in science fiction most of all. Because he oh, just especially long-form to... science fiction. Yeah. He, he, knows how to, he knows how to keep, he knows how to make science fiction engaging. That's why many people e- equate 2049 to the original, because it's an engaging movie like the original was. Um, so I know this film is going to kill, man. I know it's going to be a great movie. I just don't know if he's going to have enough backing to make a sequel. I, I mean, we can hope. I mean, there is at the very least that bump from HBO Max where they keep those numbers secretive. And since it doesn't cost extra for people to watch it on HBO Max, like the Disney Plus kind of releases have been doing, it, everybody that has HBO Max is going to be able to watch it. Which most yeah. people that have HBO Max are just watching the new movies. I want to say that uh, whenever they release the numbers or like the estimated numbers for it based on the accounts, it's like 80-something percent of people are watching every single new movie that's coming out on HBO Max. Oh, I, uh, that I, happened for Kong versus Godzilla, Suicide Squad, uh, all the other ones that have released that way. Wonder Woman. I feel it. If I could go back, I would like to see Kong and Godzilla in theaters. Uh, not now, because I've seen it twice already. I don't really want to see it again. But I would have liked to see that in theaters. Yeah, that was like, definitely uh, meant to be a theatrical movie. Yeah, but uh, what I was about to say to you was... It's funny you say that because when I saw Reminiscence, it was only three of us in, in the theater on a Saturday night. So I know most people were watching that at home. You know, and I would figure that's a film you want to see in theaters. That's the reason I went. Um, but I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to see this one thing. Um, do you listen to Housie? I do Singer not. Name Housie? Okay. But she has, a, she has a new album coming out and it's going to be produced by Nine Inch Nails. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Um, she's coming out with like a an hour long movie in IMAX that's based off the album. It's like if I if I can't have love, I want power. Uh, I'm going to see that on Wednesday night. That should be cool. Hmm. I, I figure. Yeah. What? Yeah. A couple artists have done stuff like that. I want to say like Lady Gaga did something like that. Um, I think. Uh, didn't Bo Burnham re-release Inside in theaters? He did release that for theaters. Uh, Gorillaz has done that before, where they've done kind of album releases in theaters. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I think Daft Punk did that with their original movie, but that was back in, like, the 90s when people didn't really hear about that until it was too late. Talking about the cartoon one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one vaguely. Yeah, I don't know, man. Should be good. I mean, I, I get to use my A-list it, with it. It's not like it's a specific thing where I got to pay extra to watch it. So it's a nice free movie. But other than that, man, that's pretty much all I've been watching. Yeah. Um, for me, finished up the show Dave, the new season. Uh, oh, how absolutely is it? loved it. Oh, it it's so good. It 
follows up the first season really well. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm very curious to see if it'll get a third season or not. I really hope it does. But if this ends up being the closeout for the show, I'd be happy with that as well. I think with all the money they throw at Archer and Always Sunny, if they want another season, they'll give it to them. Oh yeah. Same with that. Same with Atlanta. If 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 Donald Glover says, "Hey, can I do another season?" Go do more. Do two more. Yeah. I want to say go. that they already have. Uh, he said he had season three written and he was working on a fourth season, I think, or he was like brainstorming for a possible fourth season or something. So they're writing season four right now. Season three, I think just got done filming. So they're editing it together. Okay. So he is uh, writing the season four then. Yeah. They're working on season four. Season three is supposed to come out next year. Yeah. Um, then Brooklyn nine nine's back on the air now too. (laughs) still got to get into that show i know it's funny but i just never got into that show i i still got to watch the good place and parks and rec which is made by the same co-created by the same person mike sure um yeah i i still got to get into that i know it's a funny show man that's one of those shows where unfortunately i never got on the wave yeah i highly recommend it that and archer i never got on the wave of archer but i know archer's funny i definitely push that toward the top of the list but what were you saying well rick and morty is at the top i gotta get into that but um yeah i, I hear what you're saying like hey some some funny shows i never really got on the wave but i know they're funny like i know 30 rock is funny i've seen a few episodes but i never really got on the wave when it was on tv the only shows that i caught the wave and i stayed with the wave when it comes to sitcoms is the office I watched that when it was on the air, except for the last few seasons. I caught up on Netflix. That's understandable, though. The last couple seasons were a little rough to watch week by week, but as a full, like, bingeable season, they were okay. Dude, I, I'd say don't sleep on James Spader. Like, he did that role of Robert California oh. so perfectly. I remember when uh, they announced that he was going to be voicing Ultron in Avengers uh, Age of Ultron and. Mm-hmm. I kind of just was like, that is the perfect casting for like a robotic kind of like sarcastic, you know, role. That is perfect. James Spader can totally do. You don't even need to modulate his voice at all. He's already got that perfect voice for that. He makes me want to watch the blacklist. Yes. Because I've heard that that's actually a pretty solid show. Yeah, that is a very good one. Um, outside of that, man, nothing else, man. I'm, uh, uh, look, uh, I wanted to touch the touch on this with you before we, before we close out. No way home. You, you think they're going to have the whole crew back together? Um, the whole Spider-Man crew. Cause I'm, I, I think it might happen. I just think everyone's just saying, no, I'm not a part of that movie just to save face. But what do you, it, it's. Well, based on, like, everything that's leaked, if it doesn't end up happening, I would be incredibly surprised. Because you already have the people that do the redubbing in, like, Portuguese and Spanish for Andrew Garfield uh, coming out and saying that they're working on this movie. Which they immediately had to, like, retract those statements. Uh, people Um, People are looking that deep into it, huh? Yeah. So... 
and these are like the people that they only do redubbing for certain people. And Andrew Garfield's like the one connection between these two people that would be in this movie. And of course they had to retract those statements and they've gone to like no comment and everything like that since then. But, uh, they only yeah, had one job. They had yeah. one job. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with keeping us. I, I, all right, go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah. But it, at this point with all the leaks like that, uh, I find it, if they announce it and they're like, Oh, th- you know, we have Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield in this movie. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, if the movie comes out and they don't show up at all, I'm going to start looking at those leaks and go, okay, who the hell are they actually going to be voicing that? What was this coincidence of like timing that all these things led up to making right. it seem like these were going to be in here? Well, there's a reason I bring it up, man. Um, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a little disenchanted when it comes to Marvel, dude. And it's, it's not for a bad reason. It's like Endgame... I don't know if we talked about this. Endgame gave me everything I ever wanted. Yeah. And now I'm just like, the only Marvel show I watched was WandaVision when we reviewed it. I still got to watch Falcon and Loki, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not intrigued. I'm like, all right, I'll get to it. You know, I feel good. I highly recommend you check out the new animated show. What if, um, especially episode two. Uh, because it basically takes all the knowledge of everything you have about the MCU and it plays with that what if this happened instead of that. Uh, the first episode with Captain Carter basically is just a rerun of the entire Captain America First Avenger except with Peggy Carter as Captain America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. The second one is one that just kind of goes off the wall in terms of like insanity and what they can do and playing around with these characters with uh, T'Challa being the character that is <laughs> picked Lord. up by, yeah, by Yandu's crew <laughs> instead of the actual Star-Lord. Which changes literally everything in the uh, outer globe and everything. It's I, I loved it. I picture what if going going on in Doctor Strange's mind and him laughing like, huh, that'll be a funny future. Yeah. <laughs> what if but, it all ends with him just sitting down at the desk going and then he says the Iron Man, alright, there's about 5,200 uh, possibilities how this could go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did say that uh, this is like canon to the MCU, everything that happens in What If. So, we'll see how it actually ties into the movies at some point, but Either way, even if it was completely separate, it's such a fun show to watch. Uh, Very easy because each episode is its own self-contained story. So you can skip episode one, just watch episode two, and you're not going to be missing anything. Okay, okay, I got you. Um, I'll check that out, man. But outside of that, man, I'm just not... I'm not as invested in Marvel as I once was. I'm going to go see Shang-Chi. I'm going to see Eternals. I'm not really, I'm not really looking forward to Shang Chi. It just looks like Snake Eyes to me. I'm kind of excited for Shang Chi. I'm less excited for Eternals, and then I am super hyped for Spider Man. But that's because I just love Spider Man. So I don't think there's anything yeah, they can do to not make me hyped for Spider Man. <laughs> it's hard to go wrong with Spider Man. It really is hard to go wrong with them, uh, with him. But uh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say something else. I forgot. 
talking about Eternals. So with what's with all this hype about Eternals with people saying it was shot on location? So are a lot of other movies. Uh, There's natural lighting. So are a lot of other movies. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I really have not been following Eternal stuff as much. Like I saw the new trailer and it was like, okay, it it looks like it's gonna be cool, but it's I it's like a Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's a Marvel movie. You know, nothing's pulling me into that one. I would love to walk out of the theater of seeing that one and going, that was a really good movie, but yeah. I don't see it happening. I want to be proven wrong. Yeah. That's the thing. That, that's one of the ones that I definitely want to be proven wrong. Like, Shang-Chi, I love kind of uh, combat movie or uh, karate movies and stuff like that. Right. Like, martial arts films. I love that. So, to get, like, a mythical kind of martial arts movie in the MCU, it, you have every combination of everything I wanted right in that movie. Uh, so, I have a hard time believing it's going to live up to my expectations but man am i so excited to see that one still yeah i'm I'm gonna check it out i'll see it uh you think it's gonna be a disney plus release too uh i think they're well it depends on how this lawsuit with uh scarlett johansson goes they could end mm. up releasing it to disney plus just as a kind of show of going hey look we had to do it for this movie too so it wasn't just an attack on black widow you know mm. so yeah we'll see how that all goes <laughs> yeah man i gotta say though man dc dc's on the come up man that snyder cut and uh suicide and um james gun suicide squad kind of put it over in a lot of ways Oh yeah, I, I'm excited for the Birds of Prey two that was announced. Uh, I'm ready for the Batman starring uh, Robert Pattinson. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that looks good. Yeah, Matt Reeves always does a good job as a director. Yeah, so I, I have faith in those. Um, I'm trying to think of what else has been confirmed, but it's like everything that gets confirmed eventually gets dropped anyway. So I don't even know what else is coming. If Aquaman 2 is as gorgeous as the first one, I'm in. Um, still got to watch the first Shazam before I get excited for the second one. Uh, oh, yeah. If, if, if they're playing a new Wonder Woman, just look. Look. Stick to the <laughs> basics of what made the first one good. And, you know, we'll be okay. The second one that we just... Man, I still can't believe how that film... When I, when I put together in my mind how that film just came out like that i'm like how you got the good actors you got a director that knows what she's doing and and you got the action how did it end up like this so the best thing that i've heard about that movie that puts into perspective is it ended up having like the gremlins sequel uh syndrome where the director was allowed to put whatever they wanted into it and they feared oh, that this no. would be their last chance, so they just put everything into it, which came out like a garbled mess. Was it a blank check situation? I, I pretty much think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened to Michael Cimino, who made uh, The Deer Hunter. Great movie, but the film he came out with after that has been panned ever since. Uh, it's a different director cut that's out now, but it's called Heaven's Gate. Yeah, blank checks don't always work with some with some things because it yeah. felt 
it felt like that had a Spider-Man 3 problem. And I, I still like Spider-Man 3 for all its corniness. I still like Spider-Man 3. But it's like they just kept throwing everything. All right, Venom, Sandman, uh, James Franco becomes the, the Hobgoblin or the new Goblin. I'm like, yeah. dude, it, it, you don't need to throw all these characters at us. You know, it would have been good with just Sandman or just Venom, you know? Yeah, they could have started building up like Eddie Brock. They could have given us Hobgoblin right. and Sandman. Uh, we definitely didn't need all three of them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where you can tell there was too many cook. There were too many hands in the cookie jar. Yeah, and that's the same thing that happened to uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two because we were introduced to Electro and Hobgoblin. Literally, Hobgoblin completely out of nowhere, and it, it just did not fit as well. Oh, that's what I meant, dude. Let There Be Carnage. That's probably, outside of Spider-Man, the one MCU film I'm looking forward to. I'm... Yeah. Because I think Woody... Listen, man, it looks fun to me. The first one was solid. I mean, we talked about it, right? We talked about it on the show. Yeah, we talked right? about it. Yeah, it, it was solid. It was fun. But I like I like that Woody Harrelson is becoming like a back... I like Woody Harrelson when he has fun. Oh, so yeah. So him having fun and Tom Hardy having fun is going to make for a good time. I can't think of a single time that I've seen Woody Harrelson in a movie and I've gone, he didn't, you know, do good in that role. He always astounds me. More oh, often yeah, he, than none, I'll see Woody Harrelson in a movie and I'll go, I didn't know Woody Harrelson was in this. He's one uh, of the best parts. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, um, yeah, he, he's always good. Speaking of which, of a guy that's always good. Have you seen Pig yet? You know it's on streaming. I, I need to. I, I have it on my watch list. I need to watch it now. Next time you and I link up, we'll talk about it. Because I need to know what your take on that movie was. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. I think we uh we about did it here. All right, folks. I think that uh, closes us out. All right, folks. We'll catch you on the next one. You know, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, this has been Double Feature Versus.